Let us pray. We come from many different places, as we said earlier in this worship service. And we believe, O oh Lord, that you have called us together. You meant for a day where people would step away from their normal busy lives and sit and have a moment to think about life, to think about who they are and who you are. I think you knew that we could get so busy that it is possible to live a day, a week, a month, a year without ever thinking about God. And sometimes start to feel that we have control of this world and ourselves. And forget that we have a God. A God that owns everything. Who owns the universe, this planet, and our lives. You gave us life and you gave us this, this place, to worship. Because you want us to get to know you better. You want us to know who you are, that you are a God of love and grace. A God that calls us to come, come close to you. So thank you, Lord, for your word that we can open today and in it discover something about life. And about what you want us to know about living. So bless us as we gather in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This is not our congregation. I just found a, a random picture online for my story. So there was a few people joining the church. And there was a couple standing there. The wife's name was Joan and the dad's name was Peter. And the little boy who's four or five years old, like these little kids we have, was standing next to his dad. And his name was also Peter, but Peter Jr., so the pastor went through all the questions, you know, at the end of the ceremony. Will you be a faithful follower of Jesus? Will you be a faithful member of the congregation? And he asked all the questions. Then he said, you guys need to answer by saying, I will. And he looked at Joan. And he said, Joan, what's your answer? He said, I will. He said, Peter. And before Peter, the dad could answer, the little boy standing there yelled out as loud as he could, I will try. Brilliant answer that is, in a sense, isn't it? Life is a lot about trying. And that's what we see in our children, in, well, I see in my grandchildren. They are this big. They try extremely hard to build blocks on top of one another, to throw a ball, to pick up a ball, to tie their shoelaces, to do all kinds of stuff, because you saw them on the stage. They were trying to jump, and they were trying to sing the notes and do all of these things, and they tried to look at the others and see if they can do it. That's part of what children do. But why does it end? The art of trying. I'm preaching a series on living in a time like this. And I've said now for the last seven or eight weeks or sermons that I preached about this, I don't think there's a time that's special. I think all times are sort of the same. All times have difficulty and problems and good things and bad things. But if there's one thing that concerns me a little bit about the time that we now live in, it's the fact that we are surrounded with people that gave up on life. Countless of teenagers, if you ask them, what do you want to be? They say, I don't know. What do you want to do? I do not know. What do you want to do with your life? I do not know. Just leave me alone. I want to go and play my, my computer game or my video game. They are not really trying to even figure out who they are. And it's not only teenagers. I have 
a number of older people that I've talked to, that I've read about, that I see in the results and of studies that's been done, people that are lost, that sort of gave up a little bit on life and on living. Now do we know this? We see this in the amount of people committing suicide. We see this in the amount of people dying, dying of overdoses. 300 today in America. 300 people going to die unnecessary because they gave up trying. They gave up on living. So I have a sermon title for today. It's living in a time like this. Use it or lose it. The thing is a little bit over the piano keys, but there's actually stuff growing out of the piano keys. Right. I'm going to use the parable of the talents. Let me, let me go back for a moment. I, I can't read the whole story. It's going to take too long, and I want you guys to get to your cookies. You know, you, the cookies are waiting. So let me quickly tell you the story. So this master is leaving. He's going to go away. And he, he says to three of his servants, come here. He says, I'm going to give you a talent. You get five talents, go and do something with it. You get, get two talents, you go and do your thing. And then he gave the other one one talent. That's what happened. Then he returns. And he says, what have you done with what I've given you? And then they all respond. The five guy, guy, guy that got five said, well, I did this and this and there's five more. Here's ten. You gave me five. There's ten back. Two. You gave me two. Here's four back. So I doubled it. And then the last one. So let's find out what, what happened. And the one with the two talents also came forward saying, Master, you've handed over to me two talents. See, I've made two more. His master said to him, well done, good and trustworthy slave. You've been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received one talent also came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid I went and I hit your talent in the ground here you have what is yours. The master replied, you wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow, gather where I did not scatter. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the, with the ten talents. Let's look at the story real quick. A parable. That's what we find here in the Bible. Now you're going to read all of this stuff now. Hang on. A parable. It's a short story. It's a very short story, a fictional story, not a real story that actually helps people to understand something about a truth that Christ or God wants us to know about life. So that's what a parable is. Now I will go back there. And in this parable we find that they were all given talents. Now, now, most people, when they, when they read the story, think, well, this, these talents must be money because there's investment and interest and put it in the bank and all of this stuff. It must be money. It's, it's, it's defining capitalism in a sense for us. Other people say, no, 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 maybe it's not money, but it's the talent that's given to you. You know, this America's got talent, or there's a talent competition. So some people have very special talents. Like Sam, he's sitting here in front. He can fall off a bike and really survive. That's a talent. I'm just, I'm just, 
But Sam has an amazing voice, you know, and Anna can play the organ, and she can do it extremely well, and the people in the choir can sing. So they are the ones that this parable is for because they shouldn't hide their talents. People who think this do not know Greek. You need to read this text in Greek because the word for talent in Greek is actually a heavy weight, a bag. That's why this guy, you can't see it maybe that well on the screen, but the guy standing there actually has a bag in his hand. A bag that contains something extremely valuable. It can be copper, then it's not that valuable. It can be silver, then it's more, or gold, then it's really, really valuable. And it seems if you look at what a talent was valued, it meant that it could have the value of the wages of someone working for 20 years. So the guy that got one talent got an amazing amount of value in his hand. It's not that he got one penny, another guy got like a thousand dollars. It meant that he still had enough what, that was given to him that was extremely valuable. But he got only one. We'll find out what happens now. So what do we learn then from this story? He did not appreciate what he had. He was given something of great value. So I thought to myself, this parable can't only be about money. It can't only be about, about having a talent to sing or to dance or to do art. This, this parable must have something way deeper. And when I understood what Greek said about value, I discovered, but it has to do with things of great value that God gives us and trusts us with. What's the most valuable thing that we were created for? Relationships. When God created us, Adam and Eve, and He placed us in paradise, He created us to interact with Him, not to be robots. God wanted us to respond when, we, when He speaks to us, and, and, and He wants us to talk to Him that He can respond when we speak to Him. God created us for relationships. That's what the whole Bible is all about. The most Valuable, value, most valuable thing that I think we all have our relationships. You know, sometimes you need to lose something before you know the value of it. I was speaking to a young man a while ago. He's not part of our church. whose wife left him. They've got two young children. And he's weeping. I said to him, how did this happen? He said, well, all kinds of things started to happen. And he said to me, at some point I think I gave up a little bit. And now after she has left, he weeps for what he had or what he has lost. And this reminds me of this parable that people so easily give up. We go and we bury certain things in our lives that are so important we do not even try anymore to fix it. Countless of people are just hoping that this relationship will heal by itself. You pick up your phone, you call that person that you have an issue with. You write that email or that text. You reach out, you do whatever is needed because God has created us for relationships. Never stop trying. Never stop trying to fix what is broken, to heal what is wrong or hurting. Our health. You know, in Corinthians, um, Paul reminds us that our bodies belong to God. 
And I must say this, there are so many people that give up on their health in a way, in some way, shape, or form. They just continue, the doctors tell them to be very careful with how they live and what they eat and if they should exercise and they don't even try anymore. And as they stumble through life and they stumble with bad health, they sometimes are not that happy with people around them and with God because they're not doing that well. But time and time again, they've been told, just try to do something to eat better or to exercise or to maintain your health because God wants you to be okay. Finances. Of course, the Bible talks about finances a lot. Countless of people have had marital problems because of finances not run well, not, not dealt with well. And I believe with all my heart that God gives us money as a great value in our lives to help us live. But God says, you need to try your best to manage it well because at the end of the day, it is mine. It is mine. Why did God give us relationships? God gave us relationships that we can be okay in this world because God wants us to enjoy life. But God also wants us to reflect His love and His grace and His glory through our relationships, to reflect His kingdom. God gave us good health that we can live and run around and work and do all kinds of stuff and have fun with this life that He has given us because God wants us to enjoy life and living, but also to serve His kingdom. God gave us finances and all of these things to enjoy life, to be able to go to a movie and to be able to go and eat out and go to a game and do all the things and buy yourself a great car if you can afford it. But at the end of the day, God says, I trust you with what I've given you because it's all mine. It's all mine. Just try to do it in the way that you would like my kingdom to be served because in this parable, the kingdom of this master had to be served. The second one. He did not accept what he received. Master, I knew you were a harsh man, you reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you did not seed, scatter seed. I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Hear what is yours. Do you hear how many times he said it's your talent? The previous guy said, thank you for giving us this, and, and we did this with this, and, and here it is, what we have done with it. They never said, we have done with yours. They said, what we have done with it. The last guy, he didn't take ownership of it. Do you know why? Because um, he was blaming the master for all the wrong in his life. God gave to one five, and to the other two, and to one one. It's God's decision. It's God's decision how wide your life will be, how much you will have. It's not my decision. And I can easily go through life and say, I wish I had what these guys had, and because I can't have what they have, I'm not going to do what I'm supposed to do because I'm upset with them, because I do not have. Time and time again, you will find people constantly finding an excuse by blaming God for the fact that their life is not as great as they think it should be. We live in a broken world. Our lives are broken. The world around us is broken. God says, go and try to live your life because I've given you everything. All I ask of you is to try. I'm so tired of people constantly finding an excuse and blaming other people. Finding an excuse to live their life the way they should. They are stuck in their own complaint, not going anywhere because they say, oh, look what has been done to me. 
Oh, look what I've been done to my people. Therefore, I am standing on the corner and I'm only complaining. Biblically, that's wrong. Biblically, we are called to go and try and live the life that God has called us to live. Because life is unfair. And you and I will be harmed by others. And you and I will live in a world that's broken and will take from us and not always treat us well. If you think it was not going to happen to you, I'm so sorry. We are not yet in heaven. We are still on this earth where things are many times very complicated and painful. This man never took ownership of what was given to him. Even though it belongs to God, it's a gift. God gave you and me every single thing of value that we have in our lives. Live it. Use it. Third thing. He did not use what he had. He did not even try. Gave up. Buried what he had. He waited for the moment to pass. And I see so many people in my life that just don't want to deal with it. I'm overwhelmed. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to deal with it. It will pass. But it won't get better. It will many times get worse. And therefore he missed out on a blessing. What does it mean? It means that God comes to every single one of us. And if you think about your life, your life may be full, maybe half full for you, maybe not as great as it should be. In comparison to others, you may not have what others have. And you can easily look and say, I wish I had what they have. But at the end of the day, God comes and He gives us great, valuable things. He gives us relationships. He gives us these bodies that we should use. He gives us finances. He gives us friends. He gives us work. He gives us all the things that surround us of great value. God says, use it. Please use it. Because if you don't use it, you will lose it. And the reason why I want you to use it is because I want to bless you. The Lord, the God of heaven and earth, is a God that wants to bless us in our relationships. But I need to do something. I need to try to make it work. There will always be a wall between me and some other people. Somebody needs to break through the wall. As a Christian, you and I should. God wants to bless us where we are and what we have and what we do. But I need to constantly try to do the best within what God has called me to be and to do. My final slide. Then we can go to the cookies. Almost. You know, there's a, there's a wall there that this person had to break through. And to break through that wall, he had to use that hammer thing. Otherwise, you're stuck on the wrong side of this wall and you can't see the sky on the other end. We are surrounded by people that are depressed by this world. We are surrounded by people that are depressed by the news and what they hear and how bad things are in this world. And I've got young people saying to me, why must I even try because this planet is destroyed by your generation or the past generation, so I do not think I should even tr try. We stay behind a wall of living and of light and of blessing because we blame and we excuse and we step away from our responsibility to do what God has called us to do. 
And what is the thing that He has called us to do is to live a life that's biblically sound. And if I pick up my Bible, I do not find a book called Wait. I find a book in the Bible called Acts. <laughs> because that is what brought the church. People actually stepping forward and doing what God has called them to do. What is the thing of the greatest value that all of us have received? The salvation story of Jesus Christ. That's also part of this parable. It's in the middle of a group of parables and stories the Lord told about the kingdom of God and the, what the Pharisees and the scribes did also to the kingdom of God and how they bound people with laws and all kinds of stuff. And the Lord tells the story and says, the greatest value that all of you can receive, if it's one, two, or five, or five hundred, it's irrelevant, is your salvation in Jesus Christ. Don't live as if you've buried Christ. Don't live as if the story is not important to you. Don't live as if what God has given you and has offered you is buried in your backyard. And you are facing this world on your own. Because then you will miss out on joy. Because did you hear in this parable? When the guys who did something with their talent, with their value came back, the master said, go into my joy. That is the promise. Go into my blessing, my joy, my laughter. All I ask of you, try. Don't give up. Don't give up, give up on anything of value that God has given you. Because only when we try, He can bless and will bless. Amen.